might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck, and this is another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. This is the last one before the boys in the band take a little bit of a break for November uh, through Thanksgiving. But fortunately, we had the Albany show last night, and our friend, longtime listener, Will Valor, uh, was at the show. And we are actually video chatting on Skype right now. You can't see us, but uh, we look great for uh, the morning. Um, but yeah, this is Will Valor. What's up, Ethan? Dude, thank you so much for doing this and uh, for giving us the full report of the Albany show, man. It's great to be here, man. Well, let's uh, before we get into the show, let's uh, let's take a trip down uh, your memory lane and uh, let our fans know. Uh, you live in New York, obviously, but uh, let's let's find out when you came online with Metallica, when that all started for you. Um, you know, the day that you know you wouldn't know it, but probably changed your life. <laughs> I would say, well, it was around 1986 that I uh, I was thinking about this because I knew this question was coming, but I don't <laughs> know for sure which was the first Metallica record I got. It was either Puppets or Kill 'Em All, um, but I got the, you know the first three very quickly, uh, one after the other. Right. Me and my friend Brian were like way into heavy metal and and. Black Sabbath, and I guess at some point we discovered Metallica, and we accumulated all those albums very quickly, one after the other. Right, um, yeah. That, that seems like around a... Around the time that Puppets came out, whether it was before or after, I can't really remember, but we, I was young. I was like 11, 10 or 11 years old. Okay, yeah, so you're around the around the same age I was, just a, a few years earlier. Uh, but that would have been cool, too, like in 86, because, I mean, obviously that's the year the Puppets came out. Um whether you bought that first or kill them all first, it, it does seem to be a, a pretty common tale uh, where people, they get their first Metallica record, they get hooked, and then they they can't get the rest of the catalog fast enough. Right, yeah. Well, I, I vividly, ironically, I know that Lightning was the third record I bought, and I vividly remember getting that one because I went to the record store with my mom. Like I said, I think I was 11, and I bought the the vinyl. And I just remember walking down the street staring at the cover. Yeah. <laughs> just like in awe of it, you know, because you got the vinyl, the big picture. And of course, my mom's probably looking at it like, why, what is this, you know, electric chair? And, right. But parents were, were, are very conservative, but were very cool when it came to music and everything. They never really questioned my tastes and uh, let me listen to what I wanted. So it was, it was cool. That's and, cool. Uh, obsessed with all of it very quickly you know obviously yeah that's awesome man and i know that feeling and i remember that feeling well of buying a record whether it was uh even on cassette or vinyl back in the day you know pre-download era you know artwork meant a lot more i think it still means a lot to me but you know that was one of the things like when i remember when i picked up the puppets record for the first time that cover just like blew my mind like the, the their, their classic logo i didn't know it was classic at the time the logo, you know, the, the, the gravestones, it was just like this kind of scary looking thing. And I was like afraid, afraid for my parents to find out that I had it. Even though looking back, it's not like it's a bad record or anything. It's not like bringing home yeah. like Hello Waits or something. Right. For sure. Um, yeah, that, 
the, they were very cool about all that. They they never uh, well they they were they were, my dad was very into the arts and everything, and he detests censorship. So he wanted he always had an open mind about me listening to music and what I was into. And I think he he wasn't quick to just oh that's heavy metal that's bad. You know he wasn't like that at all. Right, so that's good, was, man. That's a that's a good good dad to have for sure. My, my my dad was was fairly similar. Although I think my parents did get a little concerned at one point, you know, as my mom did uh, uh, slowly but surely <clears throat> take all my heavy metal t-shirts and use them to clean the house, which I didn't find out till I was like, like out of high school. But uh yeah, that's that's cool your dad was that way, man. And it, it's obviously you have, you know, since we're on video chat here, I I can see your your wide taste in music behind you on your wall, like Joan Jett, see Nirvana, The Strokes, Metallica, of course. Oh, yeah. So that's cool, you know, that I, I, I'm sure a lot of your upbringing with your dad being, you know, very open to you listening to these things, you know, helped, you know, shape your taste in music and discovering new things. Yeah. You know, all those stuff in the background, so I know they can't see it, but those were all shows that I've been to, posters from, from different shows that oh, I went rad. to. That's but, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Including the first Metallica one back there. Oh, wow. yeah. What show was that? It was 91 and, uh, for the, for the black, I guess it was the first leg of the black album tour. Oh, and, wow. and that was when they did the, the three hour set. It was an evening with Metallica. So they came out at like eight and played straight to 11. Oh my God. So like no openers. No, no, they just came out and, and destroyed. Oh shit. That's amazing. <laughs> what a, what a great being the first show, I was like, "How is it ever going to get better than this?" You yeah, know? no joke, man. I, I don't think it ever <laughs> can it get better than that. And no, he, and think about the set list at the time. That was when they were opening with Sandman. Yeah, and you know, just hitting everything. You know, and there that was the only bad part about that show is that they were doing the Justice medley, uh, which was cool. But you wanted to hear all those songs. You didn't want to hear just like a piece of it, right? And. uh the only other detractor was they would always play the short version of Puppets. I think like the first five times I saw Metallica, they played a shorter version of Puppets. Yeah, I remember um, that. I want the whole thing, you know. Yeah, no joke, man. I mean, I guess for a three-hour set back then, they're you know, they, I mean, they have three hours, but they're definitely like cramming in everything they can. I mean, and and that was probably exciting because I mean, they're playing stuff off the Black Album, Justice, Puppets, Lightning, and Kill 'Em All you know, maybe a cover or two or something, I'm sure. But man, that's Yeah, they were throwing in covers every night for sure. Yeah, we're doing Brett Fan a lot back then and so what. I think yeah. they may even close with so what. Oh, uh, okay. Man, that's so awesome. What? That's what a what a great great first show. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well man, let's uh let let's uh tap into the uh, yesterday to the Albany show, man. Did you yeah. uh did you participate in any kind of pre show hangs like the night before or tailgating or anything like that? No, I had it, it. Albany is like two and a half hours from where I was. Yeah, and you know, I I got the wife and the kids and everything. So I had to, I picked up the kids from school, dropped them off home, and then just hit the road. And I got to Albany about around six o'clock, and I just I actually got a spot like right next to the venue. Oh, nice! Right, you know that I didn't have to pay for, and uh, I just headed right in because I wanted to try to get a good spot on the floor. You know. Okay, so yeah, so you went right in. You had floor seats then. Yeah, or yeah. not seats, but yeah, stand, you know, general admission. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And from what from every photo I see and everyone we've talked to that's been on the floor, it sounds like there's not a bad view when you're on the floor. No, and I, you know, I, I first went in and I saw like a crowd of people standing on the, I guess would be one of the far ends. 
Right. And I actually was going to go stand there. I was like, you know, it's early enough. I can walk around and I can always come back to here. And I walked to the side and I guess which would be like the 50 yard line. Yeah. If I, that area, the way the stage was set up, it only left about roughly eight to 10 feet from there to like where the hockey rail is. So I stayed there and I was literally, there was a guy on the rail and I was standing next behind the guy on the rail. Okay. So that was it. Dude, that's awesome. I think only two or three people behind me was all they would allow. So it was a really great spot to be. Oh, that's awesome. And and, and obviously like Lars's drum kit rotates. Uh, The other three dudes, you know, they're Hetfield's on different mics all the time. So, I mean, seems like wherever you stand, you're going to get, you know, a good view, especially of James when he's singing, because he's got probably, what, six to eight mics on stage. Yeah, they're a bunch. And his his tech was to the right of where I was, and then Kirk's was to the left, kind of. Okay. So that's what they had uh, everything set up. So it was a definitely a good meeting point, you know, from where to stand. Man, that's awesome. That's so cool. So, uh how is in your thoughts it, it's a bit of a mixed review from some people but i'm looking forward to it but how is jim brewer for you uh i i enjoyed jim brewer basically i think because i didn't expect to yeah, sure <laughs> after hearing because i think i've listened to every one of the metal tales episodes and you hear different things but it was it was entertaining you know um i would like I said, I got there early enough that I, w- I would have was happy for any form of entertainment rather than just standing around. Sure, yeah. But he, did, I think he's found his uh, his little. He's gotten comfortable with what he's doing, and definitely that um, that contest where they do where they bring up the the different uh, the three groups of kids, yeah, to go back and forth and try to guess the songs and whatnot. That was entertaining for That's sure. Cool. And those. Uh, the first two kids, they just couldn't get it together. I felt bad for them. <laughs> well, we, talk, we talked about that with uh, with uh, our friend Chris Yurgis when we were kind of making up ones off the top of our head that, you know, when you're t- you're sitting next next to your buddy kind of maybe th- doing some trivia like that, it's a little easier than when you're on stage in front of like 25,000 people, <laughs> you know? You're- I know. I mean, I mean they, these guys were younger. Um, they looked like they were real fans, but... I think they were nervous, you know. And oh yeah, unfortunately so. But the next two uh, sets of guys, they were on it, man. So they they got each one of them got everyone right, but the uh, the second group just did more in the time limit. Okay. So I was very impressed. They were very quick with it, you know. Man, that's cool. Um, yeah, and to me, it's like Jim Brewer's kind of there is like uh, not so much an opening act, but he's like a hype man. He's getting the crowd pumped up, getting them excited because he's a fan, obviously. No, uh, that's definitely what it is. It's a it's a hype show if you, if you want to call it that. Right. For sure. So it's almost like an evening with Metallica plus an MC. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, that's awesome. Um, well, before we move on, I have to derail us for a second. I. I, I I mentioned the poster behind you that's the Nirvana show, but then you mentioned that those are all shows you've seen. Yes. So you've seen Nirvana. I saw Nirvana twice. No way. Let's talk about that for a minute. I got to tell you this story because this this is an incredible story. I went down to see Nirvana during the New Music Seminar. I did not have a ticket. This was at Roseland in New York. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to try to scalp. And I bought tickets from somebody. I was with my girlfriend at the time. We go in, give the guy the tickets, tears them up. These are fake. I was devastated, man. Yeah. I was like, oh, 
God, I just spent money on these tickets. I walk back. I mean, I must have looked so dejected. And I swear to God, I mean, this you're not even going to believe it. <laughs> this little old lady walked up to me and said, are you looking for tickets to the show? I bought these for my grandson and he couldn't go. Would you like them? Wow. I, I was like, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, <laughs> the sky, like, is this a joke? You know, and that was it. Wow. So, we so she, she just gave them to you. Yeah, she just gave them to me. Wow. And like, quickly as she gave them, she like disappeared. I was like, this is not, couldn't be real, you know. <laughs> It was it was probably Dave Dave Grohl's Dave Grohl's grandma. <laughs> it, I swear, man, it was it was so crazy. Yeah. Wow, so, man. Yeah, that's was, pre- uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I I actually I mean I heard that Kurt actually like OD'd that day like in the afternoon. Wow, and still yeah, played. Oh yeah, I mean I don't even want to think about it. You know, it's terrible, but. Yeah, I mean, I remember it being great, but again, it was '93, so it was 25 years ago. Man, but I'm sure it was a great show. I mean, and that that I mean, what a what a thing to see. I mean, I I, I was definitely online with Nirvana right when Smells Like Teen Spirit came on the radio. I remember exactly where I was and how it just changed the whole face of music. But um, I never got the chance to see him. But I mean, he died in what '94. Yeah, it so, was soon after. Yeah, so I mean. I, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was God. I was a sophomore in high school when he died. I was definitely in into the band and like was obsessed with it. You know everything they put out, but yeah, I never got the chance to see him. I did. Well, not funny, but I remember that I was in college when he died, and I would bring my guitar everywhere, like my acoustic. And I was sitting in class waiting for a class to start, and I was just playing. I was playing a Nirvana song, and someone came in and was like, "Oh, I guess you heard." I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like. Kurt's dead. Wow. That's how I found out. You know, it was so, you know, awful, obviously. Crazy. That's insane, man. Um, Well, I I had to take that quick little derailment moment because I, I, as we were talking, I noticed the poster behind you and I was like, oh, wait a second. He went, he had, he went to see Nirvana. That's a great story though. The same thing happened to me, but it was at a Pirates game. So not as exciting, (laughs) (laughs) but I did get a, uh, I did get a free ticket. (laughs) Um, well, man, let's let's jump into the set list here from Albany. Um, uh, are you like me, where when you see Metallica and Ecstasy of Gold starts, or even even ACDC starts playing, you know what's coming? Do you kind of oh, still yeah. get the chills? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah, it's, no one, it. it's one of those things that I mean, I've seen Metallica now only th- only three times, but um, e- you know, even the last time when me and, and Paul and Clint were in Detroit, I mean, the second you hear. ACDC, you know what's coming, and then when the lights go out and ecstasy starts, it's like, oh god, here we go. I yeah. mean, there's not many bands that could have the same intro music for like thirty years. <laughs> I know it's crazy how long they've been using that. You know, and it, it is great; it's perfect. But it's kind of it's kind of theirs now, you know. I mean, you know, and I, I believe they actually own the rights to that. Not not that movie; that's the one from one. Anyways, um, uh. But yeah, they've used it for so long, they've kind of made it their own, and people know it as theirs now, rather than from the good, the bad, and the ugly, even though they played right. the footage from the movie, or maybe that's what it is. I think they bought the rights to the movie so they can play that every night. I'm, I can't remember. Whatever. Not important that right was now. Cool last year at the, in the arena, um, the stadium shows where they would actually play the clip yeah. from the movie on the, on the big screen beforehand. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, so... This has been happening the whole tour. It'll probably still happen until the end, but uh, hardwired into Atlas Rise. How, how did that feel? 
you know, it, you're so excited when they come out. It, it's so fast. You yeah. know, they get these two songs. And you're like, wait, did that happen already? <laughs> totally. I mean, obviously it was great, but you're so, and when you're down on the floor, so close, you're like, even though I, I've seen them up close a number of times, it's still like, oh, they're right there. You know, yeah, that, man. You know the kid in you is like, wow, there's James or there's Kirk or whatever. You oh, know? yeah. So, it's yeah, still, it, it, it was cool. I think it still feels that way no matter how old we get. I mean, I, I just turned 40 like two weeks ago and... I still get geeked out about this band, you know I mean? Obviously yeah. we do every week. We have a podcast about it, but it's still exciting me, man. I mean, I, I can't wait for the Nashville show in January and our pre-party and all that stuff. I, I feel like I did when I was in high school, you know, buying the black album and you know, all the records and stuff. So it's a, it's a good feeling for sure. Um, third slot, they seem to have kind of stuck with seek and destroy. Yeah. Which is awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Kill 'em All is probably my favorite. So anything they're going to play off of that, I'm psyched about. You know, even though Seek is the one they always play, but I, right. I'm definitely, uh, definitely psyched for it. So Kill 'em All is your favorite record right now? Yeah. Okay, you know. it can change. Of if, course. I mean, if you go back, I'd say you know, say what's the best Metallica record? I'd probably say Master Puppets. Right now, probably Kill 'em All is my favorite. That's the one I seem to listen to the most. That's cool. To stay. I just, it just, I just love the sound of it. I mean, it sounds like a band playing out in your garage and yeah, so real and, 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 uh, I don't know, authentic to me. I don't know. Yeah, man. To, to me, that record is very, it's obviously like early era thrash metal, but there's so many elements of punk rock on the record and the record sounds dirty and aggressive and just in your face. And I mean, what a great record to kick off their career with. And the, 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 the guitar sounds just so i just love the sound of the guitar on that record and i just recently read up that the that that james's amp that they used was uh i guess modified by the same guy that did eddie van halen's amps like way back okay and i was like they had that sound right like so many years ago i know like, totally but then that amp got stolen apparently yeah that was the one that got stolen when, when they borrowed anthrax's gear and then he wrote fade to black about it <laughs> oh right right yeah but i mean yeah i could see why he was that upset because that amp just sounded crazy. yeah it's crazy oh. that there's somebody in this world or in this probably just in this country that actually has that amp and has no idea <laughs> exactly i know it's probably it probably went to a pawn shop then went to some dude's house in a studio and who knows but it, i'd be shocked if it didn't still exist somewhere I, I I hope it does for the sake of man. <laughs> yeah, or the or the guy who has it knows what he has, and he's like, I'm not telling anybody because then I'm gonna get I'm gonna get killed. <laughs> he's gonna be buried with it. <laughs> if I had it, I would do you know like our friend Wayne Summers did with the backdrop of the puppets uh, tour, and I would contact their management and be like, Hey, I've got the original amp because you know that that would be your chance to meet the meet James Hetfield. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm I don't sure think they'd he- be like, just ship it. Yeah, I'm sure he would gladly fork over some cash to buy that back. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, moving on here, this is a little bit uh, uh, earlier in the set, but we've got Creeping Death next. Yes, that was that was a good surprise because I don't, I don't think they played that last year. I saw them three times last year. I don't think that they played it. Yeah, um, if I remember correctly, that, it was. I know it was missing more often than it wasn't, which was which was odd. But so yeah, it was nice to hear that again. And there was nothing like seeing a stadium full of people shouting "Die!" back in you know, right. 1992. I mean, it was great. Don't get me wrong; they they played it great, and it was cool. But uh, I, I'll never forget that. 
All right, so next in the set, we get one of my favorites from Puppets, Sanitarium. And I, I hope they play this when we see them in January because I have yet to see this song live. Yeah, that was a surprise. I, was, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pleasantly surprised when they played that. I love one of my favorites, obviously. When, good. Well, when normally they've been, you know, whenever they play Creeping Death, it's usually, you know, right next to For Whom the Bell Tolls. Um, so it was interesting that they, they didn't put these two together. It's like almost like this little ride the lightning, you know, one-two punch. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim Brewer had said when he was doing his, uh, his little um, hype thing that he looked at the set list and he said, there's definitely a few songs on here that the, uh, Metallica's playing that they haven't played this leg of the tour. So, you know, be on the lookout. So I know they, they played Sanitarium the other night, though, but I, I was surprised when it was in the set. So it was... I was really hoping for some uh, some deep cuts, some surprises. Yeah, yeah. At, at, you know? For sure. Um, yeah, Sanitarium, I mean, I've seen the, yeah, they have played it here and there. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of like Fade to Black. It's it's that, you know, ballad into kind of thrash masterpiece. And uh, I just, yeah, I, it's one of my favorite Metallica songs of all time. And I really, really hope uh, we get to see it. Uh, one of the three shows we're going to. Well, yeah, it looks like it looks like you're either going to get that or fade to black. So it's like they swap those two out. It seems like, yeah. but it's like either one. You know, it's you can't can't lose either way. They're they're both fantastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, so we would jump from that into now that we're dead, and this has been an ongoing debate, which I'm sure you've listened to. Um, I love the song "Now That We're Dead," and what what are your thoughts on the uh, the drum circle? Usually. Um, after seeing it a few times last year, I, I was kind of bored with it. But since I had such a good view last night from the from the floor, I was right near where James was playing, and I got to really focus on his on his hands as he was playing the drums and notice how good of a drummer he really is. I mean, his technique. I mean, I know you're a drummer yourself, right? You know better than me, but his technique with uh, you know handling the sticks and everything it was right on. I mean, he was really playing. Yeah. You know, Kirk, Kirk and Rob are like, you know, just <laughs> banging, you know, a little bit. And Kirk really doesn't even seem to care about it. I mean, he missed stick hits and <laughs> kind He's of like, like rolling his eyes. He, like, he could have cared less. But I, I enjoyed seeing James actually playing that close up. That that part of it was cool. That's awesome. So, and it's and it wasn't that long. I think they extended it a lot longer last year. So, yeah. It goes by pretty quick, so I didn't mind it. Well, that's cool. I mean, I, I am curious to see it. Uh, this song in in an arena setting, because as you know, at the, at the stadiums, you know, I would always at the stadium, I wouldn't try to get up too close just because it was just so packed. But I was always kind of standing right in front of Big Mick in front of house, and being that far back and only seeing it on the screens, it just seemed really boring. But I am, uh, yeah. like I said, I'm excited to see uh, what it's like a little a little more up close. Um, and speaking of uh, now that we're dead, I should have asked you this sooner, but uh, what were your thoughts on Hardwired when it came out? I was thrilled when it, when it came out. I mean, it was, you know, last album with, with Death Magnetic, I was, I, was, I was thrilled also. It was like, oh, thank God, you know. So, but from now on, whenever the Metallica record comes out, just, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, because you don't know exactly what to expect. And I heard Hardwired and was, you know, the song Hardwired. And I was like, oh, this is great. And, um, and then Walt into Flame being the second single. And I, I was lucky enough to be at that Webster Hall show. Oh, rad. They debuted it live. 
So, I mean, that was, you know, that was just fantastic. So that had been a great show to see. We have some other, you know, listeners that were at that show. Um, and, uh, yeah, to see those dudes in a club, you know, I almost got to see them here at the place called the basement, which I've mentioned before, it's like a 200 cap room, but, um, to see them in a, in a, just a rock club would be, I mean, probably the most, one of the most memorable Metallica experiences you could have. It was worth every penny. I didn't, I didn't get the tickets to the fan club. I actually bought them on eBay and I took it down to, I think five thirty PM where I just kept looking and got down to like one last ticket. And, you know, I didn't want to, I knew I was going to have to pay for it, but I didn't want to go crazy with it. Sure. So I, I, I spent like 300 bucks and by the fourth song of the night, I was like, if they stop playing now, that $300 was worth it. <laughs> you know, I mean the set, they opened with bread fan, then holier than thou and, um, battery and harvester of sorrow. After they played harvester of sorrow, I was like, all right, I'm good. Yeah. You know, everything else is a bonus. Mo- <laughs> Money well spent. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, so, man. Yeah, great. It was great. What an amazing experience. Um, uh, so back to the set list, we actually get two hardwired songs in a row, and they actually busted out Confusion, which they haven't done in a little while. Yeah, I realized that was one of the uh, one of the ones that Jim must have been uh, talking about that they hadn't played in a while. I know they they played that on the on the hardwired tour, but right. it's been a and uh, James even mentioned that he messed up at one part, but he was like, "It was, it was good enough. It was good." You know, it was like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, James, no one noticed, bro. <laughs> you know, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, that's that's a, I think a little bit of an underrated song, but obviously the the boys in the band, you know, love that song enough to throw it in the set list. Um, there's really not one song I don't like on Hardwired. I mean, I would say Murder One would be my least favorite, but it's not a bad song. Yeah, when Hardwire came out, I was I was listening to Disc Two a lot because I, I really liked Confusion, um, so I, I was fine with them playing. It was cool. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, if anyone in the room didn't like that, next we have for whom the bell tolls. So that would uh, perk up any 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 Confusion haters uh, would obviously love when they jump into for whom the bell tolls. How was how was this one live? It was great. Um, my only problem I would say with from the bell tolls and um, is the, the distortion on Rob's bass. Yeah. I feel like they, they're just not, they're over distorting it. It, does, like, it is a bit harsh, you know, um, it's a little too much, you know, and I think they need to clean up the sound a little bit. I mean, that's not Clifton have that much distortion on it, you know, back right. in the day. Right. Right. Yeah. And obviously but there's such, bit, you know, what's that? I think that the distortion muddies it up a bit too much. Yeah, sure. I, it's just the it's the kind of distortion he's using. It's almost like this harsh, shrill, slight, high pitched fuzz to it. You know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, but you know, hey, he's been doing it like that for a while, so I don't think he's yeah, going to no, change I mean, it. Trust me, I was thrilled to hear it, and I, I wasn't. It wasn't ruining my night. I was saying, if there was any any detractor at all, that that might have been it, but. You know, it was great to hear that song. And again, I did they play that last year? I don't. I don't think they did either. So that was a. Uh, I forget now. There's there's so many shows. I'm mixing up my set list. Yeah, but, sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was definitely cool to hear from the Veltols again. And the crowd was, you know, way into it. It seemed like there were a lot of old school uh, uh, Metallica fans in in Albany. You yeah, know? that's awesome. 
Well, I mean, it, it's it still blows me away that you know there's there's still fans out there that were there from day one, or like you in '86, and we still have this band pl- playing for us and making new music for us. It's just amazing. It is, man. Because I thought about this too, like back in like 1989 when the Rolling Stones like announced their reunion. And they put out like a record just to put something out. I mean, they right. were younger than Metallica is now. Yeah. They didn't look it. <laughs> you know, quality, you know, a great record. Like one of, the, one of their, you know, a top record this late in their career. I mean, what band's doing that? 30, what is it, 37 years in or something I know, like man. that? There's not a lot of bands that, that, <clears throat> that are at this age that are putting out good quality music. You know, I mean, Clint and I, or especially Clint, has talked about you know how Kiss doesn't really make good records anymore. You no. know, like there's not a lot of bands that have a have had this long this long of a career and b are are still making really good music. Yeah, and that's what I always find funny when I, I see people hating on Metallica. I'm like, oh, it's not as good as the old stuff. I'm like, how do you expect them to like? I mean, I think like we said, we we all think Hardwire is great, but I mean. It's just not realistic to think that they're going to make Master of Puppets twenty five times. It's not going to happen. Right? Exactly. Even if they it's even if they tried to, if they tried to recreate Master of Puppets every single time or Justice, they wouldn't. We we wouldn't be going to see them on a stadium tour right now. No, absolutely. They would not be a big. They they would probably like. I'd say be about as big as like Megadeth or Anthrax. You know. Yeah, I agree with you there for sure. Because um, it was obviously the Black Album that just like catapulted them into superstardom. But um, you know, of course, we—I'm sure they would still be cool records. But you know, you know, those guys have always—I mean, since day one—have always been about evolution in their music and and changing and and trying new things, and they still do it. You know, and I, I admire that. I mean, not not being afraid to fall on your face either. I mean, you know, any true artist is going to want to challenge themselves. Yep, and. Yeah, granted, some records I like a lot better than others, but I can't, you know, fault them for trying different things and wanting to express themselves creatively in different ways. So yeah, exactly. You know, I think it's great, and that's why I don't really. A lot of a lot of my friends just gave up on them after the Black Album, or or even before that, after Justice. Right. You know, guys, I'm like you're so, you know, I one sided. You know, it, it just boggles my mind. I'm like. But whatever. Yeah, man. I mean, I've got I, I've got friends that you know they definitely got off the ride after the Black Album or maybe when Load came out, and now that we're all older and stuff, and I'm the same way. Like I, I was just kind of getting into different things in the mid '90s with punk rock and reggae and all this stuff, and so I kind of I knew of all you know I knew that Metallica put put out Load and Reload and knew the hits, but never really dove into those records till years later, and I was like, wow, like. What was I thinking? Like these are great records. There's, you know, there's some some stuff on there I don't care for, but for the most part, man, those are awesome records, and I'm I'm glad I I went back and dove into them. Yeah, I've definitely given them some more, uh, put some more time with them, and and have discovered things about them that I that I do like a lot. Yeah, you know, well, it was a bit of a shock back then, but yeah, you know. <laughs> Well, wait till, cool. wait till you hear our uh, cover, Our World Blackened, Volume 2. <laughs> we, I'm looking forward to there's it. There's some load re- reload love in there. Cool. Um, all right, well, let's get back to the set list. Uh, we we get our, our first Black Album track, finally, with Wherever I May Roam, which is always a crowd favorite for me. Yes, that was a nice surprise, too. I, that's probably my favorite song on the Black Album. Oh, nice. So, 
that's just such a cleverly constructed piece of music i think you know it's it's very cool um so yeah i was definitely psyched to hear that they played it great you know very cool it seems like uh, the videos i've seen of them playing the song now lars is laying back a little more where he, he tends to like rush things and you know to where like you know like when they play hardwire they're playing it like faster than the album track you know and I, a lot of that's due to adrenaline and stuff like that but Seems like with Bell, or I'm sorry, not Bells. Uh, with with Rome, especially that for the first intro, the uh, snare hits after the intro tape, mm-hmm. he lays it way back to where when, it, when they all come in together, it's got a nice groove to it. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm glad that they're really locking in with this one. It seems like Lars. I noticed a few times last night where it seems like he was filling more during where the normal beat of a song would be, or like extending a fill longer. Yeah. I was, I was surprised. Like he, he seemed to be playing really well last night. I mean, I know a lot of people get get on Lars's drumming, but it was. I thought he was great last night. And like I said, he was changing it up a bit. Or, or if he was doing something, like I, I never noticed that before. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe I, it was something I didn't notice, but I, I think he did uh, improvise a bit, and uh, it was, it was cool. Man, that's awesome. Um, well, so how, how was the what, what sort of doodle did Kirk and Rob do last night? They did a, a Dio song, and uh, they did, I think it was Stand Up and Shout. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, poor Rob, he like comes up, he's like, okay, we're going to play this song. Obviously, I cannot sing like the guy who sang the song, <laughs> but we're going to do our best, you know. I was like, God, you know, stop giving the guy a hard time. They're just trying to fill in five minutes, you know. Nah, I know. It's but just, they played. They played very well. That's good. The only bad part of it, I mean, the song like that. I mean, you need the drums behind it, you know. Right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, this is just a time was, filler for them. And it was better than hearing them play uh, something completely out of context for for a heavy metal show. So <laughs> right. I'm I not, was definitely uh, happy with that one. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure it's fun for those two to do that, and James and Lars get a little break. Um, you know, maybe a little uh, wardrobe change, take that sweaty shirt off, uh, put a different battle vest on, whatever. Um, either, you know, they're one of those things that I don't particularly like them. Um, sometimes they're cool. Uh, but for me, I get it. You know, I've, I've, I've toured for a long time and I get that there's times in a set where your singer needs to take a little bit of a breather and, you know, do something to make sure his voice is going to continue to work properly the rest of the set. So, for that, I, I I applaud them. That's they, they, Lars and James need that for a few minutes. Then great. Um, how was uh, I? I think I know the answer to this question, but how was anesthesia? I, he, I, like I said, it was the same kind of complaint I had the last time. I mean, obviously he plays it very well. I just wish they would do a little something to clean up the bass tone a little bit. So I, I think it's muddier than it needs to be. Right. So it lets those notes ring through a little bit more. <clears throat> excuse me um but you know that was my only complaint i mean i remember last year in philly rob was like right in front of me playing that and the big screen with cliff was right behind him oh yeah just i was just floored you know um last night he was kind of on the other side of the the stage playing it so obviously it didn't have the same effect sure as last year but i wanted to say one other thing about rob's vocals i, I forgot to mention this before during confusion, he sang a lot on that song. Really? Like he sang like like a 
lower register on the on the verses, the entire verse. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was I was pretty. I mean, obviously, you hear James's voice in the mix way louder, um, but I was surprised. I thought he usually only would do like a word here or there, but he was singing a lot more than I than I expected. That's so. cool. It's good. It's cool to see Rob kind of. I mean, it's been he's been in the band forever now, but. He's really stepping up to the plate a lot more, at least on this tour with with background vocals. You know, I mean, I'm still my favorite backup vocalist for the band is always will always be Jason. But um, I, I I completely agree with you. He had a whole different. I mean, he sounded like an animal. I mean, he was. He, I was I was just listening to S and M yesterday when I was running some errands and like just hearing his stuff on that was I was like, man, I just miss those vocals. But but props to Rob, man. He's really stepped up to the plate. Yeah, he's he's a true te- true team player for sure. Oh, absolutely, and he's such an insanely good bass player, man. Oh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, so slot ten, this is, seems to be kind of a bit of an old school slot. We, we you got hit the lights. Yeah, that was great. I'll bet you that, love that one. Yeah. Oh, total surprise. So I was going <clears throat> interesting. James was playing a Les Paul with a Bigsby. Yeah. On hit the lights. I was like, wow, that <laughs> seemed like an odd pairing, but right, yeah. oh, it sounded great, but uh, it was it was cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, anytime they play like something off Kill 'Em All, it's always exciting. And 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 to think, you know, speaking of the longevity of the band, it's like, man, these dudes can still play stuff from their first record. Obviously, James can't hit certain notes, and he'll 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 kind of do higher stuff, but he he compensates for it. He'll do it in a lower register or something. Um, and it's just cool, man. It's uh, it's great to see them play this old stuff in their fifties. Yeah, for sure. And I wish you know they could have come out and played that record front to back, and I would have went home a very happy man. <laughs> I'm very jealous of people that saw that uh, Dehan set at uh, what was that? Oh, Orion. Orion. Yeah. Oh man. I, I wasn't at that one. I would have killed for that. that yeah. Was- my cool. my friend Ryan Downey, who does the Speak and Destroy podcast, he was at the uh, at that show. He 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 texted me during it. It was amazing. Um, all right, so jumping into Fuel, this is I like I love this song even more so now than I did when it came out, and I especially love it live. It was it was fantastic live, yeah, and with all the pyro and everything, it it's a, it, it is a great live song for sure. Oh yeah. Is this uh? Is this the one where they have stuff coming up like right around Lars's kit, like flames and yeah. stuff? Yeah, and you really feel it when it comes up. Oh yeah, that stuff's no joke, man. I felt that to be yeah. on that stadium tour, the 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 th- deals they had at the very top of the truss, the top of the screens, like mm-hmm. when they would do fuel, for instance. Um, you know, our friend Matt uh, has been on the show who used to do uh, help out with pyro with Metallica. Um, he he pointed all those out to me and Clint and showed us, you know, kind of how they worked and all that stuff. And I remember being out by front of house and feeling that way back there. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, especially I just can't imagine how how Lars deals with that. I mean, the guys, you know, working away playing the drums, and then I mean, the the heat off of those flames is just so so much. I mean, right? Yeah, that's that's got to be challenging. It's got it's got to sting a little bit if you're that close to him, but you know, hopefully, it's, sure, yeah. Um, well, yeah, Fuel's always a great crowd pleaser, and and I love that they're still playing Moth in the Flame on this tour. That's that's this or Atlas Rise, or, or I, I'm not sure which one is my favorite off of Hardwire. But um, how did they how did they play uh, Moth in the Flame? This was the one with the um, the drones, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, 
I got to admit, I was a little uh, focused on the drones. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I, you know, I'm paying attention to the song, but Kirk was standing like right in front of us where the drones come up, and he was kind of playing like batting practice with the drones, <laughs> this guitar. Right. So they would come off the ground, and he would hit them with his guitar. I, I don't know <laughs> if he's like, annoyed by them, but he got like three of them. And as soon as he hit the, hit them with the guitar, they were down. Oh man. I'll bet. So, the, I'll bet the drone tech loves that. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, there was like a bunch of them just laying on the stage cause he had knocked them out with his guitar. He, he was very happy with himself. You oh know? my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like right in front of us. So I couldn't help but focus on that. But, wow. That's amazing. But that just shows you, I mean, this guy's like playing this song that, you know, I mean, maybe it's not as complicated as some of their other stuff, but he's not even, he doesn't even have to think about it. He's, you know, hitting a drone, you know, <laughs> yeah, batting practice with Kirk. Hammett. You know, it's, the, it's very cool. That's awesome. I can't wait to see the drone thing. I've seen footage of it and it looks, it looks pretty awesome. Um, it did look cool, you know, especially from the floor where they are flying around, you know, it was, it was cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, so, uh, up next we got sad, but true, uh, a live classic at this point. Um, I feel like this is becoming a song they can't not play, you know. Um, but I will always take it live. It's so heavy, and and did James do his whole intro about do you, you know? Do you want heavy? Yeah, and I believe at this point he also talked about all the different um, Metallica fans, you know, the the old and the young. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And um, there was a woman on the rail that Jim Brewer had actually spoken to also this woman named Ava, who was 67. Wow. On the rail. This was her 16th Metallica show. That's so cool. And, uh, I don't, I guess James had maybe heard something, some rumbling about it, but obviously didn't know the whole story. And, and like the entire band came over to her and they even like did a chant for her and everything. It was like, it was very, very cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And just, I mean, the woman had like tears in her eyes. She was like so excited. That's you know? so, so cool. What it if was you, very, very cool. What if you found out that she only got into Metallica when Hardwired came out? <laughs> and, and, and if she's been to 16 shows since then, then yeah, yeah. that would be man, amazing. She, super, you know? she got into him at age 65 and was like, oh, it's my favorite <laughs> band ever. And then came online and went and bought, bought the back catalog. <laughs> that would be that would be incredible. So it, it was it was very cool though it was you know it's nice to show that seeing them show appreciation you know yeah totally um, well so rounding out the the uh, the the main set before the encore we get you know what they've been doing like crazy even with Sabbath True but one into puppets I mean can't really mess with those two songs back to back no of course not crowd was way into it all yeah that's so cool oh. um, I, I've I've been told that the uh, obviously because it's not outdoors and on such a huge stage that the intro to one, the pyro is, is a lot less than it, it was. I mean, you can, you can, you can only do so much in an arena and the, right. you know, yeah, they, had the, they had the long, um, Oh no, that was, the, that was for now. Yeah. They had definitely more video footage in the stadium and whatnot. So yeah, the, the intro was much longer last year. Yeah. That intro on the stadium run for one was insane. <laughs> the like, lasers yeah. everywhere and stuff. It was so long and, but it's still the intro to one. Even if it's shorter and a little less pyro, it's still you know one of those things, kind of like a goal. The second you hear those noises, you know what's coming, and it's like, oh man, here comes one. Yeah, it was it was great. Those those clean guitars sounded excellent too. Good, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and puppets, of course, you know, 
I mean, what's to say about puppets? <laughs> they, they, this is their most played song ever. As well, it should be. Yeah, obviously Probably. a great one to close out the main set with, um, which they've been doing most of this this whole tour. Um, it'd be crazy if they came on open with this song. That would. I don't think they've ever done that. That would be interesting. I mean, maybe they did it back on the puppets tour at some point, but because uh, they could yeah. easily. Yeah. They could easily open with this song and then cl- close the main set with one, and everyone would still be stoked. For sure. Well, it doesn't matter what they play. and You're stoked either way, you know? Yeah, totally. So in the encore here, I, when I looked at the set list that they posted um, late last night, this uh, they've done this the last two shows where, where they got rid of Spit Out the Bone. Yeah. But it looks like it's a rotating like old school slot. Like It was Battery two shows ago, and, and you got Fight Fire with Fire. That was quite the surprise. I mean, I, I, I obviously I love Ride the Lightning, and I wanted that was great to see. I was a little bummed I didn't get to see Spit Out the Bone because I didn't play on any of the shows I've been to, and I was at, I guess this is my fifth Hardwired show. Yeah. Somehow I missed it every. Well, the other ones were were very early in the tour, so they were only playing a couple of the Hardwired songs at that sure. point. But, um, so I, I was looking forward to Spit Out the Bone, but. You know, obviously, fight fire with fire is very cool too. Oh, of course, yeah, it's a it's a great song. I mean, I I think I'm with you though. If I was there, like, I mean, they've been consistently playing "Spit Out the Bone" since they debuted it, and I think I'd be a little bit bummed uh, to not have seen it live. But fight fire with fire is pretty cool. Yeah, and last I went to the Nassau show, which I guess was the first arena show, or maybe like the trial arena show last year. Okay, at that slot. They played Blackened, but I remember two guys next to me on the floor, after they played one, they were like, all right, let's get out of here. I don't need to hear Sandman. And they left, and they came out <laughs> and played Blackened. And I was like, these idiots. Yeah, no joke. You don't leave a Metallica show early. <laughs> You're kidding. They must be killing themselves right now, because that, that was amazing. You, you, know? you the, the kind of shows you leave earlier are the ones where the band maybe had two hits, and then you don't, and if you don't really care for the rest of their material, once those hits happen, then you can bounce. But, yeah. but Metallica, it's like, yes, they're going to close with Enter Sandman, but like, I don't care. It's Metallica. You stay till the end. And they do so much stuff on stage after the show's over when they all start talking to the crowd and Lars spits out all these facts about the city and it's awesome. Yes, it is. Very cool. Um, so finishing the encore, nothing else matters in the Sandman. This is obviously a staple. It's, they'll do this probably till the end of the album cycle. Uh, do either of these two songs get old for you, or would you rather see something in in, in one of their places? Oh, well, honestly, I I was not looking forward to Nothing Else Matters because I mean I love the song, but I was like, oh, I've heard it a million times. But I I was uh, kind of turned around on it last night because um, Kirk was playing like an old Strat, and the guitars, the like I said, the clean guitars just sounded so good, you know. That's awesome. And James was singing that song like right in front of us. And I really got to watch his hands as he was playing that song. And that little bit he does after the guitar solo where he's playing those single like descending notes. Yeah. Um, it was cool to, just to see his hand that up close, how he was muting the, the strings with his like index finger. Yeah. On, the, on his picking hand and then. It was, it was just a very interesting technique, and just being that close up to it, it was like being able to see that up close um, kind of won me over on the song again, so to speak. 
But uh, very cool. I, I definitely enjoyed it, and obviously the crowd. You know, the, the, the people that are there, like for the hits, were were thrilled for it. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. <clears throat> so yeah, it went over really well, and and that that's always been one of my favorite. Metallica guitar solos was just James's solo on that. I know, man. It's so good. It's so melodic and, and well-crafted. Yeah, it really, really is. So that, if nothing else, I can always look forward to that part of the song. So that was great. Oh, yeah. And, and you and you get possibly one of James Hetfield's best yeah, yeahs. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Especially on the record. That's, that's like one of my favorite moments of the Black Album is that yeah, yeah, going into the solo. Oh. Yeah, he was playing that 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 explorer that that wood grain explorer. Yeah, the Ken Lawrence uh, explorer. Yes, it, I was trying to think what brand it was. Yeah, yeah, that's the same guy that made Carl, that new explorer that's made out of the old Carlson uh, garage. Oh. Yeah, that it, that guitar sounded really good, man. Yeah, he pl- he plays that one a lot whenever there's clean stuff like you know <laughs> fade to black, sanitarium one stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was sounded great. And then closing out with Sandman, uh, obviously. Someone call it overplayed. I don't care. I still love this song. Um, I think I like it even more now than when it first came out, um, and I love seeing it live. And it's a you know it's a great way to close the set. It's their biggest hit ever. Yeah, I mean, I you know for sure we've all heard it a million times, but recently I, I've definitely had a resurgence in my appreciation for that song, like just lyrically and way it's constructed and everything. I just you know I, it's a fantastic song. There's yeah. a reason why it's sold. 25 million records ever <laughs> exactly you know it's it's fantastic and obviously you know the crowd was going crazy for it so yeah i, I remember when I, I i didn't unfortunately get to see metallica for the first time until 2009 i think 2010 it was in australia on the death magnetic tour and i remember thinking to myself when they played in <laughs> sandman like all i could think about was being young like in high school and seeing these dudes on tv playing the song or at, on a live show of some kind, and then watching them for the first time play it live for me was like I, I felt like a little kid again. Like watching these these guys were these giants playing this monster hit that I had kind of grown up with, and it was it was so cool. Yeah, for, yeah, absolutely. When the first time I saw them, I think they were opening with it. Yeah, that's that's insane. <laughs> they, there was definitely the first leg of the the uh, the Black Album tour, I think, where they opened with right. it every. Um, I mean, it seems insane nowadays. You know, back then it was like their big single and first song on the record. So, and they've and they've been known to do that. Obviously, they're opening with Hardwired on this record. You know, yeah, they, um, they did it. You know, with the Death Magnetic tour and so so on. But um, but yeah, it it, uh, it would be cool if they came out and open with this song. Yeah, I think I think they could switch it up. But I I, I guess the. Uh the non diehards would be uh they they might head for the door early if they did that. Yeah, I think if you want to if you want to make sure that all, all the non diehards uh leave the building, they would close the main set with Enter Sandman and then put puppets in the encore and then then you'd like, you know, half the arena would take off. <laughs> but that's a, but that, that would be kind of cool though. Then you know, you could see all the diehards and they could play like you know, three songs off of Kill 'em All and you right. know, they're Probably be louder then than 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 the rest of the yeah days. totally <laughs> you know um, well that's the set everybody um, well let me ask you this I meant to ask you this at the top of the show How, uh, what number show is this for you uh, this was sixteen sixteen awesome. yeah going from from ninety one to now and then I had, I had like a ten year break 
Um, cause I, I gotta say, I got, I got pretty spoiled. I had worked in a record store for a long time and, uh, we got a lot of perks sure. from the labels and stuff. Cause it was a, it was a mom and pop shop and we had sound scan and we were a heavily weighted sound scan store. So if you sold a record in our store, it would get like count as like 13 album sales. Oh, okay. So once the labels figured that out, they, they really uh, took care of us. So any show I wanted to go to pr- pretty much, you know, we could get into. So I got very, very spoiled. Oh, that's cool. Um, going to see shows and whatnot. And then eventually iPods happened and we went out of business. <laughs> yeah. and then I was just a normal Joe again. And I, I, I think one of the last shows I went to was, was it the summer sanitarium one? Was that like in a, a stadium tour? Those were, uh, Clint went to that. Those were, uh, uh, sheds or amphitheaters. Oh, okay. Then I'm, I'm getting it mixed up, but I don't know. I went to some show at giant stadium where it was one of those more festival type things. And oh, okay. Sitting in section like 220 after being used to being like right up front all the time. And I was just like, Oh, I can't, you can't deal anymore. You right. know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so once, so I, from like, I guess around that time, 2001 or whatever, 2002 up until the Webster hall show, it had been like 10 years. I hadn't seen Metallica. Oh, wow. And the Webster hall show, obviously just completely. Yeah. Worked. Yeah. What a show or, to come back to. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the thing. It's like, I had been waiting for an opportunity to see Metallica again in a, in a setting like that where I could be up front. And I, you know, I didn't go to the big four shows cause when I looked at tickets, I could only get seats like way out in the back. I'm right. Like, I just, I won't enjoy it anymore. Cause I'm used to like, like I saw Metallica at Roseland when they did the cover show. Oh, very you know? cool. So it's hard to go back once you've been, up front, you know, and just sit, you know, so, well, man, we, but it's been, we, a, it's been a good, uh, good run this, this year. Cause I was GA for every show and, and got to be up close. Heck and, yeah. You are, know, are you, uh, started. are you planning on going to any other shows on this run or is this the last one for you? I, I don't see how I'm going to get to any more. There's nothing like even remotely in the area. Right. You know, I, you know, I've got, you know, the job and the kids and everything. Of so course, yeah. You know, bad enough. I mean, I went to a bunch of shows this month. You know, I saw Slash three times this month. And oh, cool! Descendants and then this and so. And I was good to go to Philly, but there was a problem with the tickets, and I, I couldn't go to the Philly show. But you know, at some point, I got to like you know be home. <laughs> right. Totally. Well, and it sounds like since you went to Philly last year, you and I were uh, unknowingly in the same building. Yes, I know. I we heard about that after because I think I, I I discovered the the podcast pretty early. Okay, I mean it wasn't the first episode, but there you only had a few episodes out before I started uh, listening to you guys, and uh, you know, but that, it was cool. I'm glad I the, the Michael Alago thing worked out. Yeah, man, it's cool. Yeah, we've got uh, yeah we've got some cool uh, cool guests coming up. We're, we're actually doing. We're not going to put them out at the same time, but we've got two separate guests we're recording this week, one tonight and one uh, this Sunday. I can't, I won't say who it is yet, but... Oh, cool. It's James Hatfield. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he flew straight from Albany to Nashville. <laughs> well, that's he's got his priorities straight then. That's, that's right, sure. yeah. I don't need to go see my family. I'm going to go talk to these two boneheads. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Will, thanks so much for doing this, man. It was fun chatting with you and burning down the set list and getting your Metallica story. And uh, we can't thank you enough for your time and for being a supporter of the show and tuning in every week. Cool, man. Thank you so much. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Black End which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects that Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month. So go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Peace. Adios.